Our modern Western culture places little to no value on the power of our nightly dreams to inspire, shift, and reorganize our lives. This podcast demands a deep reconsideration of the role dreams play on our path to a more vital and meaningful life. The following is living proof of the life-affirming power of dreams to affect change and redirect the trajectory of our inner and outer lives. These are the dreams that shape us. Our dreams can often have this enigmatic quality to them, where it's as if they're drawing off knowledge of the future. And we've seen this in several of the episodes we've already released, most notably our conversation with Linda. And the more you remember and understand your dreams, the more readily visible this element becomes, to the point that it's not just a possibility that they're peering into the future, but that there is literally no way they are not. Today, however, we get a very unique glimpse, not into the future life of our dreamer, but the future life of a beloved friend that she had lost contact with for the last 10 or so years. And these dreams relayed very intimate detail about this man's life. Information so precise in some cases that there would be little if no room to refute that the dreams were tapping into some kind of reservoir of knowledge of this man's future. So this conversation goes far beyond the glimpses of the future that I have personally caught sight of within my own dreams. It's a very unique example of just how wild, mysterious, and unexplainable dreams can be. And having had this experience and learning how many of their predictions have come true has drastically reshaped Rochelle's life and her understanding of what's possible. And we think the same will happen for you. Enjoy. Let's begin with the dreams that you had about your old friend. It was someone that you hadn't seen in a decade. You had once been very close, had even considered moving to the same city with each other. You mm-hmm. were friends, but you didn't actually live in the same town, but you were basically talking every night on the phone. You were having these very in-depth, heart-to-heart conversations. You were making plans for the future that never quite panned out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't see him for 10 years, and then you start dreaming about him in a way that shows you what is going on in his life. So let's begin with those dreams and then we can get into how you were able to confirm that they were accurately showing you like a fly on the wall, what was happening in his life. Yeah. So um, some of the, I mean, it started with he was getting married. That was where it began. And I'm sure that that was a, that there was a dream that, that led to me having that thought, but I don't remember that. Um, I just know I woke up and that was the thought in my mind um, was that he was getting married and, uh, 
it was very loud in my mind. It was a, the strongest feeling maybe ever, you know? And yeah. uh, so it really had my attention and it just kind of wouldn't go away for a couple of weeks. I was pretty alarmed by that um, because I don't know anything, you know? So I just, uh, I don't, I didn't know what he was up to. He could have been married already for several years or or single. I had no clue, you know, what was really true, just that I was feeling this way. And uh, I tried to check up the only way you can these days, right, which was Facebook. And his Facebook page was pretty private. You could see occasional pictures. And that was it. They were, you know, usually posted like months apart. So there was nothing I could figure out there on that topic. And and so I just didn't know. And after a couple of weeks, it all kind of calmed down and just went away. And a few weeks later, I checked in on it again on the Facebook and, and saw a professional wedding photo posted. Uh, so you have the dream and it gives you this deep sense, hey, my old friend's going to get married. You check up on things and you don't see anything on Facebook. And you go, okay, and come back a couple weeks later. And sure enough, he yep. had he had gotten married. Did you see any possibility for kind of personal symbolism in the dream or um, that there was something maybe more related to you? No, um, nothing. I, cause that was, I would just woke up with it and I didn't remember. I didn't, you know, if I assumed it, there must've been a dream on that one. I just didn't recall on, um, subsequent dreams. No, they were, God, I don't know how to describe that. No, they were hard to remember. So what so What these dreams a lot of the times would be like, this was really, really typical. Um, there was sort of a format that most of them followed, which was that I would, wherever the dream was happening, I would feel very strongly like I was pulled there um, abruptly. And um, I always had that sense. And then we would, we would usually talk, mostly he would talk a lot. He would talk a lot. And when I would wake up, I would have no memory of what he said most of the time. Um, but I would have some new sense of, of things. Um, his, his daughter's, his, his wife is pregnant and it's, she, she's going to have a girl. You know, that was a big one. And that's exactly how it went. You know, I mean, it was, well, okay, so the symbolism, actually, now that you mentioned that, that's interesting. So like that dream, for example, uh, I dreamt that I was at a a hotel on vacation. I had just arrived there and he showed up and grabbed me and ran me outside, grabbed my hand and like, let's go, ran. And we went and sat outside on, it was on a lake or an ocean or something because we sat on like a seawall and he just talked my ear off. I know it was a long conversation. I know he talked the whole time. And when I woke up, I didn't remember anything. And that was a whole dream. But I just had this very, very strong sense. It's a girl. He's having a daughter. Uh. Yeah. And you find out later that he really did have sure did. a girl. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you had a 50% chance there. Now, yeah. we've already we've already talked about this in the YouTube interview. And I kind of gave you, or I ran you through this sort of um, uh, question and answer process. And we determined that you really were dreaming about what was happening in his life. Oh, yeah. There are other dreams that we're going to go over later. But this is for the benefit of listeners who I know the first thing you think 
because we're trained to be skeptics as you go, oh, well, you dreamed that an old friend was going to get married. Well, you know, people get married all the time. Okay. So that's, (laughs) you know, it could be something that's personal in the dream that's, you know, that's showing itself through symbolism. And then you equated it with what was happening in your friend. And he just coincidentally happened to get married soon after you had the dream. Okay. Well, now he, he's married and he's going to have a child and you have this dream and wake up with this deep sense he's going to have a girl. Then you find out that he had a girl. Wasn't there something where you knew her name? Yeah. Yeah. So you even knew the child's, what he was going to name his child. And that turned out to be accurate too. So the dream is, the dreams, plural, are feeding you this information. And time and again, it is turning out to be accurate. As you were going through this, Rochelle, are you also going through that same process of testing whether or not the dreams are accurate? I mean, there must come a point when this gets to be kind of mind-blowing, when one dream after another after another is accurately giving you details about a friend you haven't seen in a decade, and you can't even really get on his Facebook page. Yes. Yes. Yep. And so that's what, I mean, so that was the only testing I had was to just check the Facebook, which is uncomfortable because now, you know, it's like, uh, were this not happening, I wouldn't have been checking the Facebook, right? And so now I feel like I'm Facebook creeping (laughs) and and I don't even really have any interest in knowing except for the fact that this (laughs) very bizarre thing keeps happening with these dreams. Yeah. So checking Facebook was literally just all I had. And then it was so private, you know, that it was like, well, you may never find out. What you know? I mean, it, it was, it was almost nine months of, of a string of things. It was, the wife's pregnant. It's a girl. EJ is going to be the initials. Emma's going to be the name. And oh, oh and then it, it all is true. And then I get to learn all of that. But you just sit with that for months and months, and you don't know. You don't even know. And how many dreams total, as ballpark figure, did you? Would you say you had? In that time, we're talking about maybe a year that you're having these dreams. Um, the the ones specifically about him getting married and you know then having a daughter. Um, even if it's let's just say in that time span to give our listeners an idea, how many dreams would you say you had of just that year of him? Because the whole thing went on for three or four, I think three years, but just that that first year of wedding and and daughter. Yeah, let's just start there. Probably seven to ten. It couldn't okay. have been ten. Probably no. It had to be like six or seven. Okay, six yeah. or seven dreams, and the time and again they've been accurate. Yeah. You're waking up with this deep sense. You also um, have a you. You pay attention to your dreams, and you know that the quality of these dreams were different than just sort of the ordinary dream. You had been having an ordinary dream and then you got pulled into this other space where you're now connected with your friend and he's Mm -hmm. jabbering on and on about what's going on in his life. So was that something that clued you in? Was that sense that this is different from my ordinary dream life? Yeah, everything about it felt different. It felt totally different. And even when you have dreams that are really, really vivid, or they feel really real. It was different from that. Um, and there's no way to explain that. But but yes, did feel like getting pulled into it. It felt totally different during the whole the whole experience. And then 
when it ended, I had the same feeling of being yanked away from it, just like I was pulled into it. Um, so when an individual dream ended, it was like you enter into this space, you get yanked into it. The dream, the, at least that segment of the dream where you're with him um, mm-hmm. ends and it's like you get yanked out and you go back into ordinary dreaming again. You just, you know, you, you go on with whatever it is that your dreaming mind wants to right. new adventure that it has waiting for you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. <laughs> so this goes on for three years. Uh, let me tell the listeners about this. Um, by the way, it's at YouTube, um, and Radal is my YouTube channel name. And you'll find it's one of my most popular interviews. Was oh. the one on I called it dream sharing, and um, and it was information that you were getting through dreams that couldn't have been um, uh, known to you consciously. And you had this amazing experience where you found yourself yanked into this alternative reality dream space and now you're with your old friend's wife and you're walking along in this park and she i think it was she who said oh we're in kennewick park now it turns out that kennewick park is a real place in washington state but you have never been even to that end of the country no and as you're describing the dream to me, I get the bright idea, because uh, I'm recording it um, sc- with uh, screencasting software, to go and look on Google and look up Kennewick Park. And you're describing the place to me, not knowing that I'm looking at pictures of it <laughs> I found on Google. And you're describing like the type of bridge, this metal girder type of bridge that's popular in Washington, but where you live you don't, you know, it, that's not an ordinary sort of bridge. No. So, uh, that it's not the kind of thing that you would expect to see in an ordinary dream because it's just not part of your everyday reality, this, this type of bridge. Then you're talking about the picnic tables. You're talking about the, um, the paths that were near the river and you're walking along on these paths with the wife talking and she's speaking with you about what? I have no idea. It was it was the same format of she talked endlessly. I mean, from start to finish, she didn't stop talking. And I was so, I was, and, and this was not normal for me either. And so it's so weird. Like, I don't guess I don't know how to say how, how it, it wasn't normal for me to disregard what somebody was saying because I was trying so hard to look around and understand where I was. That wasn't even normal for those dreams or for any dream. That's just not how it goes. But this time I, that's what happened, you know, and then, and you needed to have that information in order f- for that experience to make sense. So it, that's so weird to me. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, so yeah, she talked the whole time. I don't have a clue. I remember how she felt. I remember that like her vibe. She felt very kind, very welcoming, just a very warm person. Like probably everybody loves her, you know? Um, I remember that, but I never got a word she said until I said, where are we? And she's like, Kennewick. It, like, duh. You know, <laughs> she yeah, like, believe it. I didn't know? know that. Yeah. I thought, I thought you knew where we were. Kennewick. And then it was over, you know, so I don't know what she said. <laughs> and, and then you wake up with that word in your head and you go and look it up. And it turns out that Kennewick Park is a real place it's in real. Washington State. Um, uh, Seattle or Tacoma. I forget which one. 
No, uh, it was, it's, uh, oh, God. So, well, Kennewick is the city, and then Columbia Park, because it's on the Columbia River. So, gotcha. yeah, I go to Google Kennewick, found out it was a city, got onto the Google, like, the map, and saw the, yeah, and zoomed in and found the park. Um, I don't remember even what big city it's near, but Kennewick is the city. And let me tell the listeners, you had, it wasn't just the picnic tables and the paths and the steel girder bridges, um, but it was also the um, child's play area that was shaped like little castles. They had yes. these, um, these uh, yeah, play areas. You saw all of this in the dream. And then it was anybody who goes and, and Googles Kennewick, um, Washington and Columbia Park is going to see it right away um, because these are images that have been shared in our on, on, on Google. So you had this amazing confirmation that the space that you were in with his wife was it was it was as if you two were really walking along in this park, a park that you had never been to nor heard of. Yeah. Now, do you have a, a sense of why you were there? No, I wish. I, if I could talk to them, <laughs> either of them, I, and ask one, and I could only ask one question, it would be like, what, is, what does this place mean to you guys? Because that was the only thing I could get, but that's just a guess. It must mean something to them, maybe her, but no, no sense of why, why her, why there. I have no yeah. idea what that was. I mean, and and you didn't get any ill vibes off of her because you you weren't exactly like the ex-girlfriend or anything. No. But you and him at one point kind of talked about maybe there's a future for us together. You were yeah. such good. You were very good friends and you were friends who were maybe trying to make the romance happen yeah. and it didn't quite work out. So, you know, it, it would be it would be conceivable that the you know she's uh, uh, the woman who had just married him would find out about someone you know another female yes. who had once been very important in her husband's life and she would be curious about yeah. you and it but if she was curious about you, you would think that she would let you talk a little bit more. Right. And, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, uh, apparently that conversation, that's your side of the conversation was being saved for another dream on <laughs> another, another night because the whole time you're now, when you are there, you have this sense of being in a place like when you dream that you're in a park you might look around and see a couple details but usually you're so caught up in what's going on the action or drama of the dream that the setting is kind of secondary usually yeah. this is ordinary dreaming where you'll get a few details it'll say oh you're in a park and you go oh if i'm in a park there must be swings and boom yeah. you know, swings appear or there <laughs> must be kids and now boom the dream creates some kids and have them running around so that you will stay in the dream and not question too much this virtual reality type dream space that you're in but you as you're going through columbia park are looking around and noticing all of those details. So let me begin by asking, is that unusual for you in a dream to be paying that much attention to your surroundings? Totally. Yeah. Okay. Never do and that. 
Did you have a sense of why? Was it because of the newness of the place or was it because of the um, um, the unusual sense of being in a physical location in the dream? It was that it was with her. I was with her and it was the combination of things. It was that I had been pulled into that space, right? Um, that feeling again. And, and so I just, we were walking around and, and I just kept going, where are we? And I'm just looking around trying to figure out where I was. I think mainly because I felt like I had been pulled into that place forcibly, like normal. But but I always felt like that. And I didn't always look around and try to figure it out. This was the only time that I did. But right. I so it's like the type of dream why. where you're feeling more lucid. It sounds like you were more aware while you're in that dream state. You've had, you you know what a lucid dream is, I right? Do. You're, yeah. And so you're not quite, it doesn't sound like you're in full control, you know, full lucidity, but it sounds like you're at a higher level of lucidity than an ordinary dream, enough so that these more rational thought processes come in. Because usually we don't question much about where we are in a yeah. dream, but you were aware enough to go, I don't know where we are. Yeah. <laughs> so you're looking around maybe for landmarks. You're trying to get a sense of, you know, where am I? Yeah. And how, how in the world did I get here? Yes. Okay. But what we can't figure out exactly is why you were there with her having that experience. We never quite put our finger on identifying why you were there. And no. The, okay. And I know that. So where they live in... Canada is awfully close. You could conceivably go to to Washington State, at least, and hang out for the day. And I'm sure that people do all the time. So that's why the only thing I could come up with is maybe that's a place that means something to her, you know, but I'll never know. <laughs> okay. Um, interesting um, hypothesis. Yeah, it must have. She knew because she says in the dream, oh, we're, you know, we're at. Kennewick. Yeah. And, you know, so she knows the name of the town in the dream. And our hypothesis um, was that, or is, that you were in a shared dream space, that there was some essence of her that was there with some essence of you in a shared dream space mm -hmm. because it felt more real than real, that you, you felt her there you had this sense of this person like you know who she is yeah. like oh i'm here with my you know I, i'm here with my old friend's new wife yeah. you'd maybe seen pictures of her but when she, you'd never met her in person you no. hadn't like memorized her face or anything so when you appear in the dream and you know who she is you have a sense of her personality her character her heart and this is all happening as you are, um, as you're dreaming. So that's why we said, well, this is not an ordinary sort of dream space. It really seemed like you two were in a shared space. But of course, we can only hypothesize because we couldn't exactly call her up and say, hey, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. do you remember dreaming with Rochelle the other night, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> She'd be like, what are you doing? Stalking me? Yes, I was dreaming about her. Ooh, you know. Yeah, I mean, just to, it, this can really, these, these kinds of things can really freak people out because most people don't know that such a thing is even possible. Yeah. That you can have shared dream spaces and the, you, 
can identify these dreams by the different energy and feel and the vividness of them um, compared to ordinary dreaming. Now, you said that um, it was over a three-year period that you had these dreams. In the first year, you had six or seven dreams that revealed details about your old friend's life and what had happened since you had last talked a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so for the next two years, you are having more dreams about them. Um, can you give us an idea of how many dreams you had and what they were like? Total over the three years, maybe maybe 25. Maybe 20 to 25 um, that's a guess. You but started keeping a journal though, because you started, yeah, you were like, okay, you'd already forgotten a few of the early ones when you started realizing there was a pattern and you started keeping a journal of these experiences. So your guess at 20 to 25 is based on the fact that you can look back in your journal and see that, yeah. you know, you recorded that many dreams over that span of time. So what were the dreams about? Um, I had one about them going to Disney. Well, okay. Uh, that's a hard one to explain. I had a couple of him. This was interesting. I had a couple about him that he was like, that had to do with him being focused on his parents' house. Um, and I didn't fully understand that. Um, one thing I found out not through a dream thing that happened, like seemed to happen around this time that did not come in a dream, but did come through my Facebook checking um, was that his mother passed. And so I wondered, and so here, and then way later though, I've got him checking and seeming to be focused on this house. And so I just thought, I don't know if that has to do with, with that. Are they selling the house or something going on with their stuff? I don't know. That was what I wondered and what I wrote down. Um, cause you just have to kind of go with the feelings that come with it. Right. Just yeah. like my friend just talked my ear off. I don't remember what one word that he said, but I feel like his daughter's, you know, his baby's going to be a girl. So it was the same kind of feeling, you know? Um, and so there were a few about that. There was one where I went and met, uh, went and met uh, up with him and his wife was there too. Um, they were staying in like a condo. Um, and I, I rem and there was nothing that really went on except just hanging out, chit chatting. It was just a friendly vibe. Cause again, I have no clue what anybody talked about. Um, but the vibe was always very memorable, just how everybody felt. Um, but I wrote down, feels like they're on vacation and in parentheses, I put Disney and then I, I would also journal when I verified things and I wrote months later, about that, that, oh, on the Facebook, yes, there was a Disney trip. Uh, Saw that. Yeah. Mostly, though, it was stuff that I couldn't verify, like the feeling like he was really focusing on his parents' house. I, I don't know, you know, so, but they were just about life things. One time I thought there might have been another pregnancy, and that, but I couldn't tell. And I remember even, I even wrote down, um, Maybe this is not her pregnancy. Maybe this is somebody else. So sometimes when it wasn't so focused as like Kennewick, Washington, or he's having a daughter, <laughs> um, it was a little harder to tell. Okay. Sometimes. But those dreams had the same feel to them where you are the 
um, you're, you're dropping into his life and, and find you basically updating, you know, um, finding out what's going on with him. Did you have a need to know what was going on with him? Was there something in you that was saying, you know, I, I want to know what's happening with my old friend? No, you know, I really didn't. This, I mean, when this started, I think we hadn't spoken at all in like four or five years. It had been years since we spoke. So, no, I didn't think about him anymore. I was so happy in my own life. I was, and I, and I was completely moved on from that whole thing. So, no, I was really shocked by it because I wasn't thinking about him at all. And then when it was over, when it, you know, when that stuff was happening, it was very consuming. Um, it had all my attention and I get very just sort of stressed out about it. And what is this, you know? Uh, but when it would go away, mostly I just went back to my life. I was glad it was done. So even then, even in between like one dream to the next, I didn't feel like I really want to know what's going on in his life. If I thought about it at all, I'd go, I really want to know how to make this go away. I didn't like it. It was very intense um, and, and unnerving because there's nowhere to go to figure out what's happening to you. You know, there's nobody you can ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, when people have these kinds of experiences, because we don't have in our Western culture, we don't have this understanding that these experiences really do happen, that they're actually more common than what we know, but we don't, people don't talk about it. And science doesn't, for the most part, doesn't explore it. Um, sources of information are very, you know, um, scarce. But you ended up going on Reddit to talk about this, and in the uh, your post became very popular at Glitch in the Matrix subreddit. Yeah. Um, you could say it blew up. Um, mm-hmm. But and then you saw so many people who came in and said, "Rochelle, I've had a similar experience," or yeah. "I'm feeling you." I've had these kinds of dreams before. They even shared their feelings about that, not knowing where to turn. Yep. Not knowing where to get information, not something to frame your experience and better understand it and why you were having it, which we still don't know exactly why you had these experiences. You just connected with an old friend, oh, for about three years, yeah. not only him, but his <laughs> wife and his child, yeah. saw intimate details of his life. Um, at times, you had a sense of his thinking processes and feelings. It wasn't just conversations, but you were getting kind of an intuitive sense about what was going on in his mind and in his heart, which, of course, you weren't able to verify any of those things. Am I remembering that correctly? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the questions that I asked you as we were going through that YouTube interview was after you explained all this to me, I said, you know, have you had these kinds of dreams before where you have, it's unusual dream experiences and you have had these kinds of dreams before. Um, you had a dream where you saw a friend's sister who was on a boat and the boat was sinking and you're you're there with your friend and you're on the shore and you're looking out at the boat. And when you explained that dream and what ended up coming, what happened soon after then where it came true in a sense? Yeah. Um Gosh, and I don't even know if, well, I might even have an update for you on that. But yeah, so the dream, it's like you said, we were, my friend and I were um, 
on a on a beach sort of in a house looking out at this ship that was sinking off in the distance and and his sister was on it and so we became very panicked and very frantic sort of running around not know there's nothing we can do you know and uh you didn't know her personally I knew her a little bit, but I, I, but just through having known him, you know, but no, she was not somebody I talked to at all or had any contact with. No. Um, and no, not at all. And, and so, yeah, I ended up reaching out to my friend and just going, Hey, how's your sister doing? And, and, uh, he said, why, why do you ask? And I, so I had explained, this dream I had and he said well as far as she goes that's that's pretty spot on she had been getting into trouble with um, just not living a good lifestyle you know and, and so that was I mean to say that she was on a sinking ship was was a, a fairly accurate way to describe what was going on in her life at the time she actually and this is the part I don't think I I don't know if this happened before or after I talked to you last she ended up getting murdered um in that lifestyle that she was in so oh and it had something to do with uh being involved in drugs and drugs and stuff yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so soon after her life is sinking in the um in the metaphorical sense you have this dream about it um in the dream you know that she's going to die um and then soon after the dream she was murdered yeah yeah okay Okay. Um, so you had experiences before, um, or you've had other experiences of these types of, of dreams that give you information that you couldn't know consciously. You didn't really know her well enough at the time for your dreaming mind to create that metaphor based on what you knew about her. Yeah. No, not all. I had no idea she had gotten into that lifestyle at all. The last I knew, she was married and 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 like worked and took care of her kids and just lived a really normal life. Okay, um, and you had one other dream that you shared with me. Um, you had grown up with a um, a neighbor, uh, and his or her his or her father was you were close with them. The grandpa, um, yeah, grandpa, yeah. Um, tell us about that dream. That dream was the best one ever, I think. Um, I dreamt that I was, so I grew up across the street from the grandparents' house. And um, I dreamt that I was on my front lawn at that house I grew up in. And he was, the grandpa was standing in front of me, but he was not in his body at all. He was like a cloud of like sparkly dust. And he um, was communicating to me in words I'm not talking but like telepathically I guess and the feeling was the big thing about that dream it just it felt like the most love you've ever felt the most happiness you've ever felt the most peaceful you I mean it was just all the good feelings you can feel turned all the way up in ways that we don't really feel them in life and he was communicating to me just I love you and it's okay and I'll miss you and thank you and 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 he just ended up you know disappearing down the street um and I woke up and I just I knew he had to be gone you know for that to have happened it just did not feel like a dream at all that was one that just also felt very very real very different and he did he died 
And you found that out because you had Thanksgiving plans to go over and see him. And you had this sense that you should call because you'd had that dream. And you're like, maybe plans for Thanksgiving have changed. And I should call first before I just show up with, you know, a bottle of champagne and the mashed potatoes for normal Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, it happened a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, and I kind of just didn't say anything, kind of hoped it wasn't, you know, that hadn't really happened. And then, yeah, when it was time to go over there, I did. I called instead, and, and yeah, he had passed a, a couple weeks prior. Yeah. So would you say that it's fair to say that bef- there's a before and after you had these experiences. There was the Rochelle who was going about her life, understanding that the world operates a certain way under certain rules. And one of those rules is, is that you can't have dreams that come true in this super accurate sort of way. You can't have dreams where you get visits from um, this, the deceased. And then there was an after when you had the experience and you go, well, people might say you these things can't be true, but now I know that they are true. Definitely. Yeah. And so that's, can you tell us how this has changed other ways that this has changed you or, or expand on that? How's, how are you different because of these experiences? Um, I think I'm just more open to the possibilities of anything, you know, (laughs) Um, I I think it makes me think that of, of how things, whatever, maybe your religious beliefs might be, for example, or when you hear people talking about psychic or, or thing, you know, things that we hear about that are kind of in that same realm of not proven or their beliefs. Right. Um, Maybe, from what it makes me think that maybe it's not the way that you thought it was, but that doesn't mean that it's not real. Think of it this way. um, Maybe you can really intuit something, right? Or you can really know that something is happening to somebody on the other side of the country you haven't spoken to in several years. And all of a sudden you can know the name and gender of their baby that's about to be born but you didn't get that by looking in a crystal ball like you see on TV or calling Miss Cleo, like you said, you know what I mean? So maybe those, these things really happen, but they're not the way that you think or the way that people say they are, or the the stories that we tell about them. That's not how it really is. Does that make sense? It, the stories, meaning the things not that the stories, we, the symbols we create for them, the crystal balls and such. You know what I mean? Now I understand. Yes, yes, that it works differently than that. That it's not this. Um, you know, you you don't have to have the crystal ball. You don't have to have even a special ability. Um, it is special in the sense that it's not an everyday thing, sure. but it's it's not working in the way where. You know, I mean, if it did work that way, then, you know, you should be making some mass bucks now because Miss right. <laughs> Cleo is out of business the last time I saw. Um, and uh, which, by the way, for our younger viewers, Miss Cleo was a television psychic. Uh, the uh, infomercial type things used to run on uh, generally late night TV. And she became a household name and kind of a running joke for a while during, <laughs> I would say, the 1990s. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, yes. Okay. So <laughs> so these dreams have opened your mind that the it it's that these the, the the things that you experienced that you'd heard about other people experiencing but had been like, well, you know, I don't see any proof. Now yeah. <laughs> yeah, now you're finding out that these things are are true. And you don't have to believe it anymore. Yeah. Because when you talk about belief, you're talking about something that you don't really know. Yeah. I mean, if somebody says, I believe in Bigfoot, you go, well, have you seen Bigfoot? They go, well, no, there's just enough evidence for me to believe in it. Yeah. You know? So you, what you're really saying is, I don't know if there's a Bigfoot, but I think there's a good chance that the stories are true. Or right. I believe in you know UFOs and aliens, or I believe in God. I mean, it's the same kind of category. When someone says they believe something, it's because they haven't had the personal experience of it. Yeah. But you had the personal experience of having these amazing dreams um, that opened your mind to the fact that these things really do happen. Yeah. Definitely. So I want to ask you one, uh, something else about this. Um, to get into how these dreams have shaped you, would you say that you trust your little voice more now? For sure. Yeah. And have you had any experiences since the dreams where maybe you listened a little more closely and you were grateful that you did? Hmm. I don't know that I have. But there's a general sense, though, of would you say that you're listening more closely to what's Always. happening inside of yourself? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I just ran across um, tonight as we were you know, getting ready for this interview. I was browsing through Reddit, <laughs> and our, our friends at Glitch in the Matrix, a guy said <laughs> that he was uh, driving um, late at night with his, um, with his girlfriend, and they're on the highway. And he got this sudden feeling that he there was going to be a head-on crash. He said it oh. was just this overpowering feeling, and it didn't it didn't happen to him. But he said in the morning he was talking with his dad, and his dad said, "Did you hear about that terrible accident last night on the highway?" Oh and it happened ten minutes after he had passed through that area of the highway. Um, there was a wrong way driver, head-on crash, massive, you know, oh uh, crash God. and fatalities. And his thing at the end of his post was, "Make sure you listen to the little voice." Yep. Because it's you know it's it's trying to it's 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 trying to tell you, and there are a lot of people who think that the little voice is just superstition. Yeah, but well, and that's sort of what I mean, right? Like we have this perception of if there's a little voice, what it what it would sound like, maybe. And and I and I think what you learn when you have enough experiences with your own little voice is that it's your voice. It's a thought. It's in your mind. You know what I mean? And and you, it just feels a little different. And you just learn to, yeah, to know that that's, that's what that is. So you're you're trusting the little voice more now, and you're more focused on hearing it. A lot of times, we can live our lives in such ways where we're we're so busy or distracted that even hearing the little voice is a, a challenge or more because it's just not part of the conversation. You yes. don't 
You don't have ears for it. You're not tuned into it. You don't recognize the value of listening to it. So would you say that you're more tuned into the source inside of you for the voice? Say it a different way. I don't know. Are you listening? Okay. Um, The little voice comes from a place inside of you. It's not, you know, the light coming through the cloud is shining down on you and it's the voice of God saying, Rochelle, (laughs) thou shalt, you know, and now you've got your marching orders. Instead, it's your own voice that's coming from some place inside of you. And what I'm wondering is, do you know that place inside of you better now? I think so. Yeah. I think, I think you, you learn that there's a different feel and there's a, a little different something from your average thought to to that to something you're really trying to there's really something there i think it can be subtle and and you have to learn do you know what i'm saying i do kind of have to learn to to pick that up and and know when it's that versus you overthinking or being afraid yes and so when you mentioned being afraid do you know we are living in these times we're in 2020 and we were joking before going on the air that the last time we talked was 2019 and boy, were things different, you know, and there is this pervasive atmosphere of fear. And I'm wondering, did that experience with the, um, with the grandfather figure and seeing him as the sparkly light and, Mm feeling him and knowing in your heart that he was going on to a place where there is no fear. Has that affected you? Yeah. Yeah, it has. Um, that, that removed that well, what you said about when you don't have to believe because you know, that's what that did for me. So it took away any fear you might've had or uncertainty about what comes next for you after Doubt. you, yeah, for sure. After you leave this life. Okay. Wow. Well, what I had was one more question, and this is the open-ended one, is um, there's, you know, you know that we'd like to talk about the ways that our dreams can shape us. And you've had, you've been shaped in many ways by these experiences that you had in your dreams. They've um, let you know that there really is something coming next for you after you leave this you know, this world, um, that you can have dreams that where the little voice can give you warnings about things. And it's wise to heed that, that you can have dreams of shared dream environments. Um, is there anything else from these experiences that you would like to share your perspective on them with the listeners? Hmm. Not really. I just, I just feel like the main thing I've learned from it is that our connections are more than we think they are. I think when you click with somebody right away, for example, I don't know that that's just our personalities. We just hit it off right away, you know, or when you really get very bonded with somebody, I just, I think that our connections, there's a lot more to them than we realize. Maybe you had met them already in a dream. Right. And so that's when you when you connect and click with them, you meet this person, you think you're meeting for the first time, but maybe you've actually 
met them before in a dream. And I mean, considering that most dreams are unremembered, most yeah. people forget, you know, most dream content, even for people with good dream, you know, good memory for dreams. I mean, the majority of the content is, is lost on an, on any given night. True. Um, and so it's very possible that the people that you're encountering, you know, new people in your life and you click with them is because you've already clicked with them in the dream space. Right. Yep. Very interesting. Very Could interesting. be or or whatever energy can connect you. I always thought about that when I with the friend in you know in Canada. Um, I always wondered about energies and how how we were connected. What that allowed that? I don't know why. That's just always what I thought when you're trying to figure out the answer. Like what is happening here? Um, and that's what I came up with was how are we connected and I and I saw, I always wonder about that now is are, are, are our energies connecting are our souls? Is there some soul level, something there? I don't know. I don't know what happens between us that we can't see, but I do feel like there's something. Well, I think we're on the verge of having um, a better idea of this. There's ideas emerging from um, science. It actually turns out that Einstein spelled it out for us. It's just that there were certain things that he talked about in his theories that um, did not get much attention because they're kind of paradigm busters. And one of them is called non-locality. And when you tease out the um, implications of non-locality, what it means is, is that all points in space are connected with each other and can exchange information, no matter what distance they are. So you know, we were talking about in terms of your friend, your old friend being a thousand miles or more away while you're having these dreams. And we're wondering, well, you know, how could that distance be bridged for you to be able to pick up this information and mm -hmm. have these experiences with him? Well, he could be on Alpha Centauri. And you yeah. could also have the same experience conceivably because we're finding out that this idea of space may not even exist and that the entire universe might be one conscious being and we are like the cells in its body. Yeah. Since it's all one body, it can all communicate with itself because it's all one thing, yeah. which is a paradigm buster because – our rational materialism, the paradigm or scientific philosophy that we live under, is insists that there is total separation between objects in space, that they are there, they have no relationship with each other deeper than, you know, sharing some DNA or, you know, um, uh, they might have a spatial relationship to each other. But we're finding out that we're actually all very connected it might be an energy like you said yeah. um or we're finding out maybe it's just the nature of the reality that we live in mm -hmm. that it's all one thing and this is how we end up having these dream experiences too because the information such as about the grandfather figure in your life and when he passed away you just knew it you know the the daughter knowing her the, the gender knowing that she was going to be born, knowing her name, knowing her initials. This information readily traveled to you because it's available for anyone that tunes into that frequency or wavelength. It's like dialing into a radio station and there you are in your dream and it's like, okay, 
dial into station old friend and his new family and yes. what's going on with them. I love that. I feel like that's the answer. Seriously. <laughs> yes to that. Uh, uh, well, that's that's my sense after all these years of having these experiences, talking with people like you about their experiences, and then getting curious about, well, is there something in our science, that in our theories, our concepts that could explain this? Mm-hmm. And non-locality is the, um, the best explanation that I've found for it. And um, um, I, I, I do hope that we're on the right track with that, because if we come up with this a consensus on this if there's a way that we can get the science to really open its eyes and accept this as a real phenomena then life changes at that moment our, yeah. our whole conception of the world and ourselves it all changes yeah wow Rochelle this has been wonderful thank <laughs> you so much it's such it's so great to catch up with you and uh, to be able to bring you into this new thing that we're doing with the dreams that shape us podcast it's your experience was just mind-blowing we've talked with other people about a few dreams that they had that were you know they, they truly powerful dreams that shaped them you had this experience over the span of years and it's you can look back and see this retrospective that there was this before and after and there was a Rochelle that believed and thought a certain way before and now she knows and she thinks and feels differently because of the experience so these dreams truly have shaped you and we uh, thank you for sharing your experiences with us Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. The Dreams That Shape Us podcast is created and co-hosted by J.M. DeBoard and me, Steve Erninwine. Recording and editing is shared by the both of us. 
The original music you heard throughout the episode today was written and performed by me, Steve Vernon Wine, a.k.a. AQ The Dreamwalker. If you want to look up more information on Jason, I encourage you to check out his website, jmdebord.com. That's J-M-D-E-B-O-R-D.com. From there, you can find the links to his three amazing books, dreamschool.net, and all his various social media profiles. And of course, you can always join him on r slash dreams on reddit.com. His name is Rat Al. He's one of the moderators there. So come and join his community. My music aims to call home the missing pieces of someone's soul. And you can listen for free to my dream-inspired hip-hop and singer-songwriter music available on all major streaming platforms under AQ The Dreamwalker. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube under AQ The Dreamwalker to get more intimate information on my creative process, my music, and my dreaming life. I would be deeply honored if you would join me. So thank you. If you're loving what we're doing, sharing is caring, man. It helps us obliterate the Western myth that dreams mean nothing and inspires more people to take their dreams more seriously. So any help you can offer us in getting this podcast out there, sharing it with your friends and family, we would really appreciate that. We really would. So thank you. And we really thank you all for listening out there. We love you. And a deep and handsome thanks to Rochelle for sharing her incredible story with us all. We love you. Nighty night.